Looking for a particular part? Then look no further. Rush Truck Center's All Makes Parts catalog features more than 16,000 of the most popular All Makes Parts from the top suppliers in the industry and with the quality brands you know and trust. And at 164 full-color pages, this is their biggest catalog to date. Our friends at Rush Truck Centers have great deals for you all year long. Check out their monthly parts and service specials in-store and online. And when you're ready to order, shop online with Parts Connect at RushTruckCenters.com. Expect more from Rush Truck Centers. Hello, people of the world. I am Rebecca Nichols. Welcome to my podcast show, Finding Nirvana. For me, personally, Finding Nirvana was more about unlearning and becoming who I was destined to be. It's about releasing the shackles and stepping into uncertainty, but with surety that everything is going to plan. The divine plan. It's about releasing fear and vibing high with love. It's about living your truth and being really fucking unapologetic, babe. It's about forgiveness, deep connection, mindfulness, meditation, and hacking your own health and well-being. This is your life, your journey. And on this show, I'm here to support you through sharing and shedding some light. I'm here to empower you to be the highest version of yourself. So stay tuned, subscribe, and tell your friends, because we are going on a journey. For and on today's show, I have Jane Hardwick Collins. Now, I came across Jane's work because a good friend of mine, Kemi, who always also happens to be a midwife, my um, who helped me through my pregnancy with Ocean, recommended Ten Moons, this book, The Inner Journey of Pregnancy, Preparation for Natural Birth. Now, I decided that after having a cesarean that I was going to go the natural route. And despite, you know, people saying, oh, no, it might be a bit difficult and, you know, maybe you should just have a cesarean because it's obviously a lot easier. I knew I wanted to um, have the experience of a natural birth. And so I found this book, Ten Moons, and I'm so excited to have Jane here because she's going to be talking all about the book, why she wrote the book and other things that she's involved in because she's really involved in the shamanic way, which I love. So welcome, Jane, to the show. Thank you for being here. Thank you, Rebecca. It's an honor to be invited and thank you for this time to share together as we speak across the oceans and land from one side of the earth to the other. I know, it's crazy. So Jane is in Australia right now and it's like 7.30 in the morning or so and I'm here in London. It's it's in the evening on the night before. So we're time traveling and all sorts. Um, Yes. Literally. I love it. Um, so great, yeah, wonderful to be here and be with you. So tell me a little bit about the book and your journey to writing the book and how it all came about for you. Hmm. Well, the book, Ten Moons, The Inner Journey of Pregnancy, Preparation for Natural Birth. So it uh, really was another baby of mine, as mm. all creatings yes. are, and I often... Um, bring that kind of concept to women too about how everything is a birth and projects and books and gardens and whatever are just like babies, you know, they need to be 
conceived yeah. and gestated and birthed and then mothered. So yeah. making the book, writing the book basically, mm. was uh, my way of offering women the information and processes that I was already doing in my pregnancy workshops right. because, um, it, you know, it was so powerful. The workshops were so powerful and and the workshops actually grew out of my own personal midwifery practice. So mm. I was a home birth midwife in, in a combination of like a city area and then a country area here in Australia for 30 years. And uh, my midwifery care uh, developed into a bit of a kind of a program, like you know, like like it does. And then I I wanted to share that with women who I wasn't the primary midwife for, and and to help women prepare for birth in whatever setting, in in whatever way. So the book really came from from that. Me wanting to share my uh, the way I midwifed an individual woman I then converted into a workshop to offer that to as many women who could come and then I converted that into the book 10 moons wow. yeah but yeah it had to be done really you know because I guess <laughs> here we are you've reached me in London and um you know I've been sharing it with many women here um, in the UK and obviously people that tune in and um, people that follow me online on Instagram as well. I, I spoke highly of the book mm. and because, you know, um, I guess there's, there's, there's maybe just not that much out there in terms of thinking how it is as a spiritual journey. There's a lot of mm. practical stuff and, oh, yeah, this is going to happen and your body's doing this and your body's doing that. And there's this whole side that's missing is mm. you know and how do you really connect to uh, yourself and the baby and that journey as well not just the whole what it's doing and how it's growing and <laughs> then it has to come out at 40 weeks mm. <laughs> no because god forbid it should come yeah. out <laughs> earlier or later yeah. or whatever so i mean we spoke a little bit before we came um on the show to to about induction because we've in here in the uk I know you have some figures, which is, I think is important to realise, you know, how many women are going into induction. And mm-hmm. personally, you know, um, and having spoken to a lot of friends who are in midwifery as well, um, unnecessary and sometimes can be cause trauma, you know, and unnecessary trauma in that case, you know. So yeah. what, what are you what are your f- thoughts on that? Well, I think that um you know we need to remember that women don't all do the same things in the same time frame in in any other thing. Why would they do it in pregnancy and birth? Mm. So the individual actual physiological and physical experience is never going to be the same for everybody anyway it's not a mechanistic thing you know there's so many other things at play in pregnancy and labor and birth and just the timing of the gestation or the pregnancy and you know these days ultrasound uh the defining um authority and we all know that ultrasound can be out by a month either way so to use those you know like 
So, um, yeah. so many women in um, in both your country and mine are being induced because they their the length of their pregnancy is outside a particular line in the sand that's been drawn based on very old um, studies that indicate the stillbirth rate increasing after a period of time now and that, and that, you know it's just not even that I mean there's lots of um I've looked at the the peer-reviewed stuff on this as well like just because I was just like this is like this can't be true this has got to be because I was actually 42 weeks but I wasn't <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah. according to according to how I worked it out so look I'm going to give you this theory and you're going to tell me whether you think I'm kind of like right around here well, I thought maybe this is how it should be, because <laughs> mm-hmm. I kind of think a little bit outside the box anyway. OK, I happen to know when I was con- I, I conceived Ocean, which I think helps. Yeah. And yeah, so, exactly. A, a lot of women don't, <laughs> mm. um, because if you're trying for a baby, you may be having lots and lots of sex. And how would you know? Um, mm. Actually, Ocean was conceived on Halloween <laughs> and I did and I did a spell <laughs> and it was all kind of crazy um but yeah I mean I know she was conceived on Halloween and so therefore I knew when my period was it was on the the, just before Halloween actually about five or six days before Halloween it was about and and that was the first it was the first the 26th of October would have been the first day of my 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 period now that's when they say they calculate it from right Mm. is the first is it the first day of your last period Yeah, and that's that's because there's this kind of inherent belief in the whole process that women would not know when they conceived or even necessarily know when they ovulate, which I think is part of the problem. Again, right, so exactly. So I I knew when I was ovulating because I happen to have one of these trackers as well. Like I log when I've had my period, I log how long I have my period, and after a period of time, once you're using it, (laughs) <laughs> we've got a lot of periods in it um after a time it just starts to work out when you should be and and you know we all know the loon we all know the lunar cycle is like on the lunar moon and that's a whole lot the, the whole thing behind the book as well but you know it's just so fascinating and mm. so I was looking at it from a very different perspective from other women maybe because I'm thinking well no I know when I ovulate and I know it was a it was a new moon is me I know I would have come on I know it was a full moon <laughs> coming up and so that's when I kind of normally ovulate I'm that person um mm. it's a full moon today and I'm ovulating as well <laughs> well I don't know I just had this is my first my first period but we'll talk about periods and bloody rights and all sorts of things because I, I love it <laughs> I yeah. love that we're using these powers now but um so I would have actually had a period on a new moon okay and that would have mm-hmm. been that would have been after the 31st. It would have been around, you know, maybe a week or 10 days after that. I don't know how, how exactly. But I worked it out from then, like when I would have had my period, which would have been a new yeah. moon. And actually, yeah. then I counted it. I counted it 10 moons from then. So it would have been the 10th yeah. moon after, 10th new moon after that. And actually, right. funny, funny enough, that's when she did us up. <laughs> it just so happens that she knew exactly when to arrive. Um, Funny that. And it was perfect. Funny that she just knew <laughs> that, okay, I've been in here for 280 days or whatever it is, or exactly 10 months, 20 
yeah and when with the lunar cycle she just went with it and I kind of like mm. knew that was happening and kind of maybe maybe manifested it because in my mind I was going yep yeah, I know she's coming on this day and I know it's 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 kind of all working out exactly how it should be wow she's on the solar eclipse, solar eclipse baby um wow. new moon in leo and my, and my son's a new moon baby as well both new moon leos both new wow. sun and sun and moon in leo <laughs> double Woo. leos two not one because i'm awesome <laughs> i wow. can handle i can handle that fire <laughs> i've got a double leo son as well Oh really? Oh gosh, yeah. I mean, they're they're very they're very special. They're very. I mean, they have got that energy, that fiery energy, um, definitely. But they also like that time alone. And um, he's Scorpio rising, my son. So he's probably more mm. that. More of, that's how I see him, that sting in his tail. Um, mm. But yeah, my my daughter just came perfectly in in many ways. And it was one point, okay, when I was I just at home chilling out. <laughs> And I said, I'm going to bed. This is the night before with Tristan. I said to Tristan, Tristan, I'm going to go to bed early because mummy needs to rest. I'm going to have this baby tomorrow. I'm going to have your sister. We're going to go. And he's looking at me like, what? I was like, yes, tomorrow is happening. And so I was bouncing away on the ball. And um, I had some skull cap because I've been looking up a skull cap. And I've been researching all the herbs to use to help me go into neighbor naturally and without pain I didn't want to take any drugs I just wanted to do the gas in there that was it and mm-hmm. so I, I I was doing the skull cap um drinking the tea smoking the hat and this was apparently what all the American Indian women used to do mm. <laughs> this is what they used to use in labor long before other medicine came along and you know this is just how they used to get through it because actually skull cap is a herb that actually works on your nervous system and so it just calms your nerves and so therefore if you're in a calm state then your body's just going to be able to do what your body needs to do yeah and And you actually need to be in a calm state for labor to begin yeah and that's how it and that's how it happened for me I was in the calmest state I went to bed I slept through the first phase of labor (laughs) I woke up I was in a bit of pain in my back and I thought maybe this is it because I'd never experienced contractions Tristan was c-section Mm-hmm. And it was all kind of like going in, they're going to cut me open, he was out. And I think he came out too early. And he, I had a lot of problems with Tristan. And I mm-hmm. think that's because he came out too early and he didn't get my microbiome and there's loads of different things. But anyway, it's done. But um, he, I went to sleep and I just woke I just woke up about five o'clock in the morning. I went to the kitchen, the sun was rising. There was a black cat staring up at me. No shit, no lie. It's just staring at me. Like green eyes just staring at me. And I thought, whoa, what's going on? Then all of a sudden, my water's... And I said, right, this is actually... This is is not weird at all. (laughs) Black black moon, black cat, everything. It was just weird. It was just weird but wonderful. I just said, I couldn't even make this up. So I went and got my (laughs) bath. I had my clary sage few other oils because you know I'm a aromatherapist so I love working with the essential oils and I said right now is the time for clary sage let's bring on the clary sage and just a few other things and I just said I'm just going to stay here and feel comfortable I'm not rushing anywhere you know I don't know how long this is going to go on for right because mm. you don't and I don't want to be in a hospital I want to suck on a bed I just want to be in my environment for as long as I can be 
So I actually stayed in that bar for a good two hours or so until, and then my contractions were coming. Then my con- I got a contraction and I was like, shit, I actually do need to get to the hospital now. <laughs> I don't know. I get my friend to get to the house to get to me so she could help me. And there'll be obviously someone be with me. So I don't have to go to hospital on my own with just Tristan. <laughs> mm. She was great. Tristan was there in the room with me, which was great as well, because you had this in your book about it all being community and how you're having your children there. And, you know, here, even still, you know, I had a few people going, oh, isn't that weird? Oh, God, no, all children should be kept away from this. And, you know, maybe back in the day, <laughs> even husbands used to stay away, like, oh, no, we're not getting involved in it, you know? <laughs> yeah. Like, and it, it's like, well, what are we doing to birth? You know, what yeah. are we doing hiding to this process? It. Yeah, hiding it and saying, oh, no, and just get it over and quickly with and get it, you know, I don't know. There's a, th- there's a thing going on in Australia in terms of hiding it where uh, birth photography is being um, limited to before the birth and after and and they're not being allowed to photograph the actual birth. Oh, right. Because because obviously Instagram's Instagram's got this thing now where they are, um, there's, we are, we are allowed to see birthing videos now because I put my birthing video up on Instagram, you know, and not the whole thing, but, you know, a minute of it where I was pushing mm. out a baby, you know, because, mm. you know, I want people to see that you can do it, you know, it's yeah, fine. For yeah. sure. And also, like, having Tristan there yeah. is um, helping the next generation. Like, he knows yeah. that birth is a, actually works. And yes, birth works. What's yes, required. Yeah. 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 No, so... um the the bits in your book were just about um loads of different things but also kind of like what to eat and so important because um throughout my diet I I made sure um, my pregnancy I definitely made sure that I was getting all the all the important things and eating well not just like eating for two and eating crap but <laughs> like, I've done that as well but just making sure my body was full of nutrients and full of all the good stuff that I knew that the baby would need as well. And um, I guess we're going kind of going back to old traditional ways and how we're eating as well. Um, just everything wholesome, right? And mm. just oh, from, from the earth. And um, I feel that's what's needed, definitely. Mm. I feel like I'm, I, I kind of adopted a very new style of eating. Not that I hadn't been great on nutrition. I've known great nutrition. I've experienced great nutrition in my life. But before I conceived Ocean, there was a couple of years where I was just really focused on work. And I just got into lazy habits. I just got into, like, just convenience and mm. fast food. And because, you know, I'm a, just we, we can put ourselves in those positions because we think we don't have time and we think okay it's just easy to do this and then we just get into the habit of easy living right and then mm. uh, our bodies and our health they do they do suffer they will suffer ultimately if we're not making sure our body gets everything it needs so I love the fact that you you went into nutrition in the book um mm. because it's 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 overlooked and it's really important, especially around sort of the B vitamins and well, all the vitamins. Really. You can't yeah. say one's more important than the other. Um, I guess but, the, the thing about nutrition is that our bodies are expecting certain um, macronutrients, like yeah. that's the the big th- and micronutrients. Yeah, and micros, that's yeah. how we function. Yeah. And if we don't, if we don't um, 
take them into our body through our diet, then we're missing out on those things. And during pregnancy, the baby will the baby will take what it needs from wherever it can get it. And I mean, obviously that's all coming through the woman's body and the placenta and stuff to feed the baby, so to speak, yeah. through through the blood. And women will or well, everybody pays consequences for not eating properly. And in pregnancy, it's an especially uh, significant thing because yeah. of, you know, how it will affect the woman's energy level, her mood, yeah. Her, yeah. her body, and, and, of course, the baby. And, you know, the other piece to it as well is that whatever's going on for a mother during her pregnancy, especially around all the food stuff, the baby is getting that vibe, that information, yeah. experience. So, you know, like if you're going to spend some one year like really looking after yourself before and during your pregnancy and, and, and in the postnatal period would be the year for for both yeah. your own sake and the baby's sake. Yeah. And I, I know that I could have been in a better place to conceive and I wasn't probably at my healthiest when I conceived, but that's happened you know um I think part of me doing a lot of this stuff now is to help people and Mm. raise awareness around the importance of um you know making sure that you're healthy before you conceive um and that you're getting all good you know multivitamins and I definitely I just went crazy once I I knew you know I was just Mm. like okay I'm taking this I'm taking this I'm taking this my diet's gonna be (laughs) Yeah, and I transformed myself. I started going back to the gym, even though I hadn't been to the gym for ages. I was doing yoga all the time. I was doing long walks. I was mm. physically fit, <laughs> fitter than my pregnancy well, than I had been before, <laughs> which was crazy. Very good. Good on you. But, and, but you I, know, like sometimes I, I reckon how that happens or why that happens for women, like your story, what you're saying, mm. is it's not just you um, – uh, feeling like, oh, I better or I want to. It's also the baby inside, you know, mm. is urging you in a way that only you will know yeah. and it will feel like it's you wanting to do it, but the baby's involved in that, yeah. you know, because there's that lovely way of looking at uh, pregnancy and birth. It's uh, so it, it's such a huge thing. And, like, when you're pregnant, you're growing a baby and you're also growing into the mother that that baby's coming for yeah. and preparing for the birth that that baby's coming for yeah. in terms of your dance together and what your yeah. sort of connection is about bringing and offering each other. So yeah. I, I love watching how how when women really get that they're not just growing a baby, they're growing themselves into the next version of themselves, even if they've had babies before because – No, it's the true. Of, yeah. It changes They're very you. different creatures. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, absolutely. And every experience with your child is a different experience. Like, you know, I know that I'm, I'm a mother to Tristan, but I'm a different mother to Tristan than I am to Ocean already. I know that. You know, obviously mm. Tristan's been here before <laughs> a lot longer. Mm. Um, but in you know, terms of that particular thing, you know, like you're a different mother to Tristan than you are to Ocean, like there's a thing that happens during birth. And obviously birth, when I say that, I don't actually mean like the moment when the, the baby is earthside. I mean the whole experience. And I include the the conception and the pregnancy in, a, in, the, in this particular thing I'm going to talk about. And that is mm-hmm. that we, you know, when we know that um, 
when we remember and know that childbirth is a rite of passage, yes. we know that um, we know what a rite of passage is. And a rite of passage is a transformational process that happens in our lives when we're one way before it and then we're a different person the next after it yeah. as a result yeah. of it. Like we're yeah. changed, transformed, yeah. and we can never return to how we were before. Right. And particularly around birth, what um, happens is that we learn something about ourselves through gestating and birthing, particularly with the birth in this place, a baby. We learn something about ourselves that we then need to take in mother into mothering that particular baby. So mm. it can be a different lesson, and it's going to be a life lesson, a different lesson for each baby. And hopefully the idea is that you learn what you learned about yourself and apply it for baby number one. Mm. So you can take that knowing and new version of yourself, having uh, taken that teaching and lesson on to the next birth so that you can um, go the next level and then, and then obviously on and on and on. And the quality that you learn about yourself in birthing a baby is the quality you need to bring to mothering that baby. Mm, yeah, totally. It was so weird, like, um, when I was giving birth because I was kind of, like, feeling the pain and going, no, no, no. Um, and it, I didn't even think it was a terrible, terrible pain. Um, I had back, I had back contractions, and so I never had contractions before, as I said, so I didn't even know what to expect. But... It's kind of like quite long, big surges going up my back and up my bum. And it was kind of like, okay. And I was on the gas in there. And in my mind, at one point, I was I was going, I need to change the dialogue. I need to mm. change this. Um, and I had to, like, go into that primal thing. And like, I was like, okay, no, 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 no. But then I just switched, okay. I just started going, yes. And I started saying, yes, mm. yes, yes, ocean, yes, screaming. Um because I was like, no, I'm fucking doing this. <laughs> mm. Yes, yes. And I kind of got into a crazy place. I didn't even know who I was then, right? And so, and then it was like, there was she was coming. That was it. Mm -hmm. She was she was on her way. I mean, by the time I got to the hospital, actually, she was already in my pelvis. So oh, wow. I, I wasn't, it was a very, compared to from, okay, so my waters broke at 5 a.m. Like I said, she was born at 1.30 in the afternoon. Mm. So... I was at home until about 10 o'clock, half 10. I got to the hospital, it was about half 11. So I wasn't... Well done. Yeah, I wasn't in the hospital, you know, for, you know, on the bed for too long. And that's what I didn't want. I didn't want to be on that bed for too long. I knew that's not how I were meant to birth, right? Um, mm. I did actually plan for a water birth, but it didn't have enough time for that to happen. By the time I got to the hospital, yeah. her yeah. being in my pelvis, it was like the time they fill up the pool, she would have probably arrived. So, um, you know, it just did that didn't go the way I wanted it to go, but it didn't matter because I'm, you know, she was birthed and she was meant to birth. And actually, the midwife I had was amazing, she was wonderful. Um, I didn't have Kimmy there, I wanted to have Kimmy, my friend, but it just didn't turn out that she was teaching that morning and she, well, baby couldn't wait. Um, and, it, and I actually had a lovely, lovely mid, midwife, and I think yeah, I couldn't have planned for that, I couldn't have planned for this birth. Like, and I, I was getting to a point where I was getting a bit anxious, you know, because okay, I thought she was going to come. Even in the full moon, I thought maybe she'll come in the full moon. And I thought, no, 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 make sense she's going to come in the new moon. Be patient, Rebecca. Don't try any to force it. Just 
allow. I'd listen to lots of other things from your book and other people saying, you got to get out of the way of this. Mm. That, and that's which what is, I which is a Yeah, you which know. is a big challenge for us in our culture, you know. Like there's um, so much pressure to um, do things a certain way and, and look a certain way and act a certain way. And no. it's just not – it doesn't happen like that. It's like it's it, it'll just be whatever it will be. And there's – there's many things, like I think it's really important for us to remember that um, we are actually animals yes. and we are a variety of animal called a mammal, which means yeah. we suck our young. And yeah. mammals actually require certain conditions to be in place to be able to give birth. Like yeah. it's, just, it's just a thing. And, yeah. um, and, you know, they're not bright lights in an operating room sort of setup, they're yeah. more like other mammals. And as, yeah, as I write in my book about the uh, cats giving birth, it's yes. like everybody knows about what not to do and yeah. to do. Around Leave cats them, they've got to go in the dark and they've got to, yeah, they've got to, they've got yeah. to have their own little thing and be all comfy and cozy or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, it's... because they need to be able to drop everything to be able to feel safe enough to to open in such vulnerability. And I think that's what helped me because, like you said, like the first stage, you've got to be calm. I slept. Mm. <laughs> I couldn't be more that's calm. Epic. I was in my bed. I was in my bed asleep. Okay, I was a bit uncomfortable. But if I didn't had that skull cup, I think it would have been worse. I just thought I was able to put myself. And I was being, I was just very late stages. So you're tired anyway. So it's kind of a lot easier to sleep, I guess, at some point. So I wasn't having any contractions. But I was, you know, for the first bit where I think you know, it, it's all happening, but it's not really happening. And I, what is that stage called? The luteal stage? Well, that's the luteal. The luteal stage is the first half of the menstrual cycle. So it's not the birth, not to do with birth. Um, so that first, uh, like there's ways of people use to describe it. It would be called like the first stage, but that's, and the second stage is when you're pushing, but that's really an old school way of looking at the whole thing and based on measurement and time and a medical perspective, like there's some wonderful other ways to, to view the process of labor as more, there's amazing writings by women around the world who teach about this stuff, including Wapio Diane Bartlett from okay. the Matrona School of Midwifery, where she's actually written like a, a, a mythopoetic process, uh, describes labor as a mythopoetic process where you um, go between, you move behind the veil and then the veil mm. lifts and all things yeah. like that. And another Another epic teacher around this subject is um, Pam England, and she speaks of labour as, as a labyrinth mm-hmm. and a journey through a labyrinth and the hero or the shero's journey. So, you yeah. know, it's much more than a first stage, a second stage, a third stage. You see, that's mm-hmm. so mechanistic and so oriented mm-hmm. around the clock and yeah. people actually measuring where, you know, it's not something that really – deserves to be measured it deserves to be cared for it's a a ceremony i like it's a a celebration it's a ceremony it's a there's so much about it that is just wow right so well like (laughs) epic and you know there's a clue there because um you know we all know that in the in the main birth is probably 
besides menopause, one of the most feared things in our culture. And so when we fear things, we try to control it. And, you know, controlling birth and menopause just ends in tears because the natural process yeah yeah the natural process must happen you know i mean i have this whole idea about even my you know the work that i do is energy healing and it's a lot i have this kind of philosophy all around like medication and like how some pill was going to fix you um and that's that's what i say to people when they're about to embark on a healing journey is you know this pill is not going to fix you I might not be able to fix you but you have whatever you have inside of you everything you need to survive Mm. and not even survive let's say to thrive to to have abundance to have joy to have peace you've got all that inside of you but what we've been conditioned to think is that life is hard life is challenging what 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 are we here for anyway and we're questioning all sorts of things and then we're not even taking a look at ourselves and how magnificent yeah. we are and how this life thing is because yeah because because you know what what's going on is we live in as my teacher Janine Pavardi Baker referred to it we live in the cult of the expert and the cult of the expert means that um, our responsibility is taken away from us and taken up by the experts because um, they're prepared to take responsibility for everything. So the, that is um, like not a very good way for women to embark on motherhood or any of our, our other blood mysteries or women's yeah. mysteries or rites of passage because yeah. basically they are designed, the process of each of these becomings, becoming a woman, becoming mm. a mother, becoming a wise yeah. woman, are yeah. all kind of around helping a woman to access her inner knowing and her her body knowing and her intuition and all that. So yes. if we hand over all our responsibility and all our power to the experts, it's really like a difficult thing to be able to then switch into what the process is designed, so to speak, to help mm-hmm. us do, which is to find what we know inside. So part of the problem here is we need not a – well, the – the solution is that we need a paradigm shift from the cult of the expert, which, yeah. invol- which invites and involves blame and shame. Mm-hmm. We need to shift from that into the cult of self-responsibility, where everybody yeah. takes responsibility for themselves rather yes. than investing in an expert that they will blame if it doesn't happen the <laughs> way they want to have it well, happen. That's, you know? that's exactly what happens a lot of the time. And um and that's why I think around labour, we have to have informed choices as well. I mean, we have a lot of um, trauma and bad experiences from not having the right labour. And, and it's really hard to get, get then the hospitals maybe to take responsibilities here in the UK. Um, I've spoke, spoke to many women that have had some really traumatic experiences and and then they have their voices just haven't been listened to. So, you know, um even though you say they take the responsibility, but they're not even taking the responsibility. I think even more mm. so it's for up to us to say, well, actually, you know, this is how I want to birth or this is I need to know or to reconnect with our bodies to understand that our bodies know how to birth. And with little intervention mm. is probably the better way mm. for mother and baby yeah, in and, terms and, of health. And to have, 
and to have the doctors and the hospitals and the midwives that work in the hospitals supporting that system there to help us if we need it, but not yes. to do things if we don't. Yes. That's really yeah. the bottom line. I think, you know, we, we don't want to um, reject the, the awesome advances of medicine around helping mothers and babies who need help but we just need to reserve it for them as opposed to doing it in some sort of homogenized care for everybody. Yeah. Yeah, and, and um, the education around um, pregnancy and periods and things like that, and let's just, we've, we've got about 10 minutes. I'd love you to talk about the periods. <laughs> and yeah. um, I know you've done these cunning stunts. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, so. and I, I got my first period on the new moon, just gone. Um, since mm. since giving birth and I got myself a moon cup I'm like yes and I collected some blood so tell me what do you do when you collect the blood what's it about um, I'd love okay. to sure. so you know one of the most significant things we can do as women is to really like reclaim our menstrual blood as a sacred thing yes. as opposed to totally. some toxic human waste it is it is not a toxic human body fluid it is actually the body um the the body fluid that has the most stem cells in it you know like wow. it's actually like full of that level of magic mm. and um you know not accidentally seriously on purpose because as the blood flows and that's a necessary thing you need mm. to let the blood flow so if you have so to that's use, why yeah. the moon cup is good. So yeah, but also yeah. not to use the moon cup at night time or tampons okay. at night time because what okay. actually needs to happen is the blood needs to flow through our vaginas and coat all the inside of your vagina and the and come out of your yoni, your your vulva to outside you so that the stem cells of the fluid coat everything on the way to to repair any wear and tear so to speak that's required oh wow yeah oh, wow. so there's there's purpose so, to all that's such a wonderful thing I never knew that and that's amazing mm -hmm. and um it makes me think actually of like gosh what else don't we know <laughs> well we, precisely just, oh, yeah you know, and it's all so it's all pretty obvious you know like yeah if there's something going on in the body in a particular way, in the healthy model, you know, not in pathology because that's when things have gone out of balance and yeah. and symptoms are showing us or calling us to pay attention and change yeah, things. No, our bodies are incredibly um, um, able to repair and heal given the opportunity, given the right circumstances, given the right environment. Like this is the sort of epigenetics things that we're looking at now, right? So, yeah, we're, we're you know. totally fucking miracles. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. I really believe that I've seen that. I've seen that. I've witnessed that myself in my own life and, and things that I've done and my body and healed and things that they said, oh, you know, I, I you know, that won't happen. Medical doctors said, oh, that won't happen. That's impossible and whatever. But, you know, I know that even as we evolve, as we become new beings, as we renew our mind with each moon and each cycle, we are becoming someone different, even if we're not really conscious to that. I believe it's happening. 
Um, yeah, and it's not it's not like it's different and we won't know ourselves. It's the next version or the next level yes. of ourselves. Yeah. That's the thing about the menstrual cycle that is on offer. It's mm. a it's a cycle that is the same cycle that's happening everywhere in nature. Mm. It's about birth, growth, full bloom, harvest, decay, death, rebirth, over and over yeah. and over. So the menstrual yeah. cycle plays that out, the moon plays that out. The earth seasons play that out. A day plays that out. So actually, if we really look at what's going on, like Mm. really, we women women are as if the earth going through a cycle. And it is a a cycle of transformation, of regeneration, of renewal, of rejuvenation. And Mm. it's on purpose so that we can do that level of alchemy and magic in our own lives share that with our families and our communities and we we we're processing whatever happened the last cycle or you know the last month and letting go of what no longer serves with our blood so and then grow and then calling in what we do need to grow for balance and harmony and healing in our lives so the letting go with the blood is the thing that was in that cunning stunt that you just spoke of before yeah so blood The blood prayers are a conscious spiritual practice of menstruation where as we as we uh, bleed in our cycle when we're in that deep subliminal uh, liminal space of the void where it's the place of pure potential and the place of total um, magic really we let go with our blood of all that no longer serves like yeah. and and if you could start to collect all the things that aren't working in your life that show up from about week three in your menstrual cycle it's mm. been labeled pms but mm. what's actually going on in that part of the cycle is the harvest of the cycle mm. and everything that's not working in your life shows up as well as everything that is working in your life too but it's all the problems and issues and conflicts and stuff that we have in our menstrual cycle after ovulating, before bleeding, that has been pathologized, are actually is actually our internal process to know what we need to let go of with our yeah. blood. And it's, it's so interesting. Yeah, oh, it's wow. about yourself, you know, and you can't blame anybody for anything. You need to take responsibility for it. And with your menstrual cycle, you can process nice. that let it go and so collecting your blood either with a menstrual cup like you're doing or pads that you can soak or if you don't want to do any of that or you're traveling you can just do it when you're on the toilet and you do a wee because the blood will come out and you can just turn that into your blood prayers because some way or other that blood's going to get back to the earth and then you know there's a there's an awesome thing that happens if women practice this blood prayers process repeatedly cycle after cycle and they return their blood to the earth in a particular place then basically obviously their blood is in the earth there so part of them you know their dna is in that part of the earth and what happens is there's a connection obviously and how what that looks like is that women really care about that part of the earth or pot plant or whatever way it is the earth that they're Mm -hmm. pouring there and offering their blood to and then the women want to care for that that part of the earth. So part of my big mission with actually trying to get gentle birth introduced everywhere in the world is for women 
to do their blood prayers and by by putting their blood in the earth they care about the earth and that awakens them to be more active around all of these things and then that that um I, that then turns into how they pre- get pregnant how they manage how they're with their pregnancies and their births and then their menstrual cycle again and then menopause because we really have the opportunity like the earth does to grow again in a new way and um, that's what the menstrual cycle and birthing and menopause is all about and just because I know we're running out of time I just want to add you can reclaim your rites of passage so so for example you just had your first blood again after having a baby you can treat that again as if it was your menarche so it, you don't have to actually necessarily do it on that first one. You can use every period as an example of your first one again and treat mm. yourself in the way that you would like to have been treated if you weren't as if it was your first blood and talk to that maiden in you who's mm. experiencing whatever experience you actually did have at your menarche that, mm. you know, the usual experience across the cultures, across the world is shame because mm. we've got this thing called menstrual shame that it's being reinforced over and over. It's shifting, but yeah. menstrual shame, which has its initiation in the culture and then plays out in everybody's menarch, and then mm. the thing is that menstrual shame leads to body shame, leads yes. to low self-esteem, leads to body issues and all the things of the wounded feminine yeah. like eating yeah 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 you're right and then yeah if I think about myself I think about I just think back to when I was a young girl and I think when I was having my first period um yeah you know so much can come up for you at that point and then how how are we accepted because obviously every woman is going to be different um Mm. you know every every woman is going to experience it differently and everyone's going to have well they're going to be in a different environment so it depends on your environment that you have how they're supporting you um mm, exactly so I, th- I think the whole period thing is is not just you obviously I think there's a lot of things going on with that right now and I think I'm seeing a lot of it where you know even some countries women don't even have access to sanitary shoes and it's just yeah. it's really appalling I mean mm. uh, it's a great way to control women and you know the th- the other piece yeah. to really is that menstrual shame also leads to dangerous sexual decision making yeah and because you're not respecting your body and also menstrual shame impacts childbirth like you know one rite of passage leads to the next and menstrual shame impacts how we perceive our body and if we go into uh, pregnancy and labor having a perspective about our body that menstrual shame gives there's a rejecting of the body mm-hmm. uh, and, and an annoyance at the body and a desire mm-hmm. to control the body birth does not work like that no yeah and and um just from the sacral chakra point of view because i know that a lot of a lot of work needs going on there for a lot of women that need healing on, a, on all sorts of level or i say you know we're going to really work on the first two three chakras to get you to get you before we can even think about going anywhere else, really, because that's they're the physical chakras, and we, you know, you're here in the physical. So if you've got problems in your body, you know, wherever it is, we're going to work really hard on that. So we're going to work on nutrition. Mm. We're going to work on your dialogue. And here's something that's very interesting when I'm talking to people about um, how it feels to be a woman. There's not many people that I speak to um, that are excited and happy to be a woman. Hmm. You know? how sad is that and yeah. you know it's it's um 
it's a, it's definitely a cross cultural in the in the Western world uh, mm. thing, and you know that that that's the effect of the patriarchy, you know, the mm. oppression of women. So being a woman in the patriarchy is in uh, an empowered woman in the patriarchy stands in the face of all the um, things that are there to, to make us feel less than and controlling mm. our biology and our fertility and our births and our menopause and the um, overarching thing of menstrual shame is like one of the main oppressor actions of the patriarchy so you know take women are so fucking powerful oh, and yeah. the weight them is to make sure they don't know that yeah and, and and this is something that I thought about myself and I go over and over and over and again and then I have to do this whole healing thing when I trigger it when I trigger it within myself sometimes something I remind myself of something that's happened or where I gave away my power and uh, you know it pisses me off because you think oh my god you know I, I was so not have a clue of my abilities and um you know, I let them do that or I let them do that. There's been some abuse in my life um, within family members as well, you know. And so it's mm. kind of like from a young, very young, I had to deal with so much trauma. It's years and years and years and I was carrying it. And and there's so many other women that I work with that have the same similar story. So, you know, it is the fact that we we just aren't taught that how powerful we are. We aren't, you know, we think about the earth and goddess and how the goddess was always worshipped many 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 years before the patriarchy was established maybe but when they reached the river the goddess is more than anything you know before everything mm. got changed and controlled um it's just the way we need to go back to where we need to respect and honor women uh for for the for the the role they play in this life in terms of yeah. creating life fully <laughs> you know, like, and I like, son, you know all the time yeah like, you know <laughs> I think that for all of us, like, you know, we're so brainwashed or a nice way to say that is enculturated. And that just means that we've taken on the mindset of the dominant culture, which is mm -hmm. how rites of passage work. So, you know, you have the kinds of menarchs and childbirths of high intervention and, and powerlessness and whatever. And I'm being a bit extreme in my words here because I want to describe <laughs> extreme is that. Yeah. Rites of passage create and reinforce culture on the inside and outside. So that's why everybody just thinks that they keep going along the way they are because they've been led to believe on a subliminal level that that's what you have to do to be accepted by the culture. And what we want to do as humans absolutely is belong. If we don't belong, then it's we, we uh, feel threatened because that goes back to our animal nature. We need to be part of the... Um, part of the group or else we're, we're in danger. So yeah. one of the ways to really like see the insipid way that this has worked is that to notice this, that anything to do with the feminine that's mm. put down or made a joke of or um, made, made like um, out to be not even real is a clue that it holds power. So, mm. you know, you think about the, uh, over culture's perspective of menstruation, you know, like mm. it, it, there's a taboo and then birth is feared and menopause mm. is feared. So those things which are about the power of the feminine are put down. So there's a clue there. Yeah. 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 I think, I think this is a beautiful time to, to, um, 
to be alive actually you know in all my years and from all my pain and suffering I think now to be alive to be able to share this message it, it's mm. not it's not been in vain as much as it's been painful it's not mm. been in, now I feel like it's not been in vain because I can talk about this and I'm, I'm healed because it doesn't it doesn't bring me any discomfort at all anymore but that's yeah, just you get show. to be the wounded, the wounded healer archetype. <laughs> yeah, um, and, and because I understand that I'm a creator and I'm one of the most powerful creators here on the planet. <laughs> so that makes me feel good and badass, and it should do. Um, and more women need to feel like that because, um, yeah, when we we take back our power, um, we can become unstoppable in our lives. And, you know, I think healing the women of the world will heal the world in so many ways, you know, because mm. what the, these children are coming through us, the next generation are coming through us. And like you say, you know, they're picking up everything along the way through, you know, you're a mother before you're a mother. They're picking up everything, all your beliefs and all your perceptions on what reality is. And that's something that I understand even like, you know, epigenetics is that, you know, you're above your genes. So your environment is creating your reality, which is creating your personality. And that's the subconscious mind, you know. And which is in control most of the time. Well, exactly. Well, yeah. And so, yeah. you know, you've got to, you've got to, that's, that's, you know, when I say that I'm doing a lot of work with people in the subconscious mind is that, yeah, you've been programmed. You've been programmed by your mom, who was programmed by her mom, and has been programmed by society and whole media and newspapers and goodness what else, and we're absorbing completely all the time around you. Um, and you know, you, you have this story about what life is, and that's not even true. That's just a story. That's just someone else's reality, and you've taken that on board. So actually, reprogramming that mind, especially as you get older and you're so set in your ways, and you have these beliefs about who you are and what life is, it's not easy. So it's definitely a challenge. It's something I had to undergo myself. It's something a journey I decided I had to go on. I had to transform, and so. Mm. I actually pulled out my coil under a full moon <laughs> and went on the whole journey of reclaiming that whole sacred ceremony with the bleeding. And it, and I did that for about three months and then conceived. So Ooh. I knew there was power in that. I knew that what so, I was doing was, was powerful and that after six years of having a coil inside me, it only took me six, seven months to, to conceive after that, you know, yeah. to, to get back in line and everything. And so we'll, we'll end here because it's just been amazing but I'm gonna have to end at some point um or mm. one advice for tip for anyone you know for women out there yeah um, uh, yeah I'd, I've got a I've got a message I'd love everybody to actually remember and that is that babies are sentient beings which means they're they are feeling and hearing and perceiving everything that's going on yeah. when they're inside you during during growing during gestation during pregnancy so regardless of what happens what procedures you end up having having what kind of birth the what there is a way that you can help your baby through it and that's by talking to it yeah. from your mind to its mind where you you tell it what's about to happen you know so you know i'm going to have an ultrasound now so get ready and they've done studies and seeing that babies respond to this kind of thing. So yeah, yeah, they eat right. health. You know, there's yeah. stories of women having amniocentesis and telling the baby, here comes the needle, look out, get out of the way, and the babies move. 
So whatever you have to go through, whatever happens, talk to the baby before it's happening so that it knows what's happening next and treat it with such kindness and gently. And if we treat our babies as sentient beings with full respect of that, and treat them with gentleness and kindness, the world will change. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you're totally right. Thank you so much for being here. And um, you have a great day. <laughs> <You're>, yeah. um, <laughs> I'm off to bed. <laughs> mm-hmm. And um, no doubt we will touch base again soon. Thanks. Thanks so much, Rebecca. It's, it's been, been a pleasure. A, it's Take been a pleasure, pleasure oh. with being with you too thank you take care bye